This is the Sports with Teeth podcast. And now, podcasting live, your hosts, Kyle Washington and Alex Warnicke. Welcome to the Sports with Teeth podcast. My name is Alex Warnke. My co-host, as always, Kyle Washett, joining us from Seattle, Washington. Kyle, uh, I was up there last weekend, had a beautiful weekend, caught a couple of football games, uh, enjoyed some adult beverages with you, uh, had some great talks with some of our listeners, uh, all around solid weekend. Yeah, we had a great time up there. Had a beautiful day for some tailgating. First time in E1 all season at uh, Husky Stadium there. Uh, Got some breakfast burritos there bright and early at 7 a.m. for the 12 noon kickoff. Uh, Had a real fun time and then uh, watched quite the uh, basketball game there at Heckhead. I mean, excuse me, the uh, Huskies versus Eastern football game. (laughs) 59-52 is your final. Felt like a basketball game out there, didn't it? Yeah, it was a it was a shootout of epic proportions. Uh, lots of offense, not a lot of defense. Uh, uh-huh. But before we get to that, I want to uh, give a little shout out to uh, Husky alumni getting signed up. Uh, Keith Price, former Husky quarterback, signed by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders up in Canada. Don't you know? Uh, he's going to be going up and playing in the CFL. Still wants to get signed to that NFL contract, but thought we'd give our boy Keith Price a shout out on the pod here. Yeah, it's going to be a little little chilly up there in Saskatchewan, uh, eh? The Rough Riders there in the CFL. Um, I have no idea if they're any good or not, but uh, good luck with Keith Price, and hopefully he can make it onto that NFL roster soon soon enough. Maybe maybe he'll uh, enjoy some of last week's Beer of the Week, uh, a few kokanies oh, up there in Saskatchewan. I'm sure, that, I'm sure they're sucking down the kokanies in Saskatchewan, you know? <laughs> All right, let's get to the Huskies game uh, right off the bat here. UW 59, Eastern 52. A shootout, shootout in Husky Stadium. Not quite what we were expecting um, in any sense of the word, but I mean, a, a, an entertaining, a very fun game to watch. Uh, what were your initial impressions uh, after this game? So I think I think the big thing we're going to talk about first here before we really get into the game is Marcus Peters, uh, our start corner. He was benched for half the third quarter and all of the fourth quarter, and he's going to be sit down for the uh, Illinois game next week after uh, a headbutt to an opposing player, an unsportsmanlike penalty after a third down stop late in the third quarter. Um, what do you see here? Uh, how do you how do you think this plays out? And uh, just what, what was your first impression after this play? Yeah, I mean, I didn't really even see it. I was watching from inside the stadium, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I think neither of us really knew what happened. Uh, it was kind of a big play in in, in the game there. Oh, it was a huge in the play. third quarter. Um, you know, they, they had him stopped on for a fourth down, and um, Eastern goes down to score and takes the lead 50, or 45-44 on that exact drive. So um, I, I didn't even see him do it. Uh, everything I've heard has been secondhand um, from that from that play but i mean just a boneheaded mistake um arguing with coaches throwing his helmet basically just acting like a child frankly yeah and uh coach pete decides to suspend him for the next game uh kind of laying down the letter of the law uh not not messing around with any of these guys and uh a very very stark difference already you can see 
uh, between Chris Pierce and Steve Sarkeesian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rewatching rewatching the ball game, uh, he did headbutt the player. Um, I mean, he was jawing with people all, all game long, uh, and he was getting beat over the top on those perfect throws from Vernon Adams. But uh, Jaws with the guy, just throws a tantrum on the sideline, throwing down his helmet. Uh, clearly, Peterson's laying down the law. I mean, this is the eighth eighth player he's suspended or dismissed from the team since taking over last December as a head coach. That's a, that's a lot of people, uh, including our starting quarterback, a star receiver who he banished to the SEC. Uh, starting linebacker, uh, and now our star cornerback, who's a projected first rounder. I mean, he's running clearly a much tighter ship than Sark did. Um, you know, he, he's he wants those OKGs, our kind of guys, and these players weren't recruited by him. They're not necessarily, um, you know, the OKG types, and so it's, it's a it's a buy-in philosophy. And you know, I think I think uh, the, most of the teams are buying in, but obviously, clearly, Peters didn't. And uh, for for here, where, where do you think Marcus Peters Peters goes from here? Well, you mentioned, you know, he he was projected, he's been projected all season to be, um, you know, up there in that all-pack 12 category, possibly a first-round draft pick in the NFL this season. I mean, he's got all the measurables. We're talking six foot 190, um, just, Second-team all-conference last year, just a stud. Yeah, he, he, was, he was a stud, and mm-hmm. he just got worked on, on Saturday, and I don't think he really liked it. He kind of shows his mental fortitude and his character that he you know performs poorly in a game and then you know just continues to throw a temper tantrum a lot of this is going to depend on how he responds to his suspension and how he responds to the punishment that got uh laid down on him you know he can basically treat it one of two ways he can use it as fuel for himself which i think is what all husky fans are hoping for uh you know just kind of create that drive but he could also just kind of implode in on himself and, you know, just decide that he's too good for the program and too good for these coaches and basically mm-hmm. just mail it in until he can collect that paycheck. I mean, it would be entirely stupid to do so because we know that people, you know, I mean, Keith Price was looking like who we talked about earlier in the show. He was looking like he was all everything in that holiday bowl you know he had massive scouts you know looking at him for the nfl and now you know he didn't play very well in his senior season and he's i gotta disagree with you on that i mean it's hard to hard to compare peters to price just because peter or price was a stand up stand up guy the whole time i mean peters peters the measurables are an issue price the measurables were an issue so clearly i don't don't think that comparison really flies to performance i mean well, clearly, performs on but, the field. but you look at you look at uh, you know, say a guy with off field trouble issues like a Colt Lyra, the all world tight end out of uh, Oregon last year, where he basically the same thing. New new coach comes in, did they don't get along very well? He kind of put his tail behind, between the legs, ends up quitting the team, tries to make the NFL on just uh, talent alone. Obviously, he had some drug issues as well, um, but ends up not making a squad then this year. And so you know, it's, I think it's more something like that where you know if if, if Peters does shape up and decide okay I want to I want to play for this new coaching staff I want to be the best player I can be I want to be the best person I can be too as well and uh, play with class then he's gonna then he's gonna show the scouts his character and really his toughness but if he ends up mailing it in um, you know I, I, I don't see him playing that much for us this year and I don't see him uh, you know getting as high of a stock as uh, as he could have in the draft yeah I mean I I, I suppose Keith Price probably wasn't the best <laughs> cognate to go with there. But, you know, it's, I mean, if you have this amazing, you know, underclassman performance and then you get into these situations where 
you know, your last season is not really up to the expectations for you. I mean, mm-hmm. scouts noticed that, um, and he's going to feel it in his draft position once it eventually comes. I mean, kid's going to get drafted. He, he's yeah. got all the athletic talent. It's just a matter of, you know, how he can perform maybe, and how he can maybe, prove that may, he can be a high high draft pick. Yeah, maybe a better comparison might be like Nelson Safarian Jenkins last year where he, he comes with some off-field issues, uh, you know, with the DUI. Maybe not quite the same as this because this was an on-the-field type issue. Um but comes back and just rededicates himself to the program and uh, ends up getting drafted in the first round. So hopefully, hopefully that's what Peters can do. Um, in the short term for our team, uh, it means that the secondary is even thinner than it already is. We're out, after two games, we're 117th in the nation in passing defense. And Illinois comes to town and they can throw it all over the field. You know, they got a quarterback in West Lunt. Uh He threw for 456 yards last week. I mean, this this is a team that's going to be able to throw it against us. So I think I think it says a lot that Peterson's willing to to put this game into maybe what should have been a surefire win to possible toss-up game when we're going to be starting a true freshman at cornerback in peter's place it says a lot about yeah. peter peterson that he's willing to do that i think and you know good for him i think you you, you got to get that uh, tone set right right off the bat if you if that's the kind of ship you want to run and uh it's something that don james uh was accustomed to that hard discipline and not not accepting throwing tantrums on the sidelines and you know i, I think uh a lot of people might criticize him criticize peterson for that but i, I think i'm all, all for um what he's trying to do with the program yeah i'm right there with you i, I mean i'm especially early in his tenure as the Washington head coach, it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit easier for him to do this, but um, you know, it's almost like, I don't want to say he wants to lose a game uh, quickly here in the out of conference, but he definitely wants his guys to face some adversity and he wants to see how they handle it. And then he wants to kind of mold them and shape them to people who can better handle, you know, any kind of adversity. I think that's a really admirable quality of a lot of really good teams is how they, how they handle being down in a game. I mean, we saw it with Oregon against Michigan state, they got down and you know, this kind of theory that Oregon just kind of crumbles when they're down. They certainly proved the entire nation wrong about that one and came back uh, to win that game, which we will get to later on in the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, well, let's let's talk a little more about the the ball game on Saturday. There wasn't just Marcus Peters out there. There was a whole other other rest of the team out there, and I think unfortunately we got to start with our defense. Yeah, man, it's just it was just brutal out there. Um, mm. Didn't cause any turnovers really, which I know Chris Peterson has. I mean, that's a pretty big glaring stat, ca- causing zero turnovers. Well, one no. on special teams, but and then we got I mean, we got that we got that one uh, in, the, in the middle of the fourth quarter. Uh, Feeney with the fumble recovery after the Shaq Thompson uh, fumble. That was go. a huge play. Twelve minutes left. Uh, we'll get to that, but I think you know. First off, we got to talk about the start. You know, we start out. We end up getting a touchdown on the opening drive. Get the fumble recovery. Shaq Thompson runs it back. We got a three and out. All this stuff. It's 21, 21 zip Huskies with seven seven forty eight left to go in the first half first quarter and i'm going looking at you going man this is awesome this is the team we were seeing okay these guys are going to compete against oregon they're going to compete against stanford and then you know that 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 defense just fell apart and vernon adams uh 475 yards through the air for the eastern eagles he was absolutely all world out there for him yeah no he was he was just throwing the ball all over the yard putting him on just absolute dots wherever he wanted to and seven touchdowns 
those receivers were getting wide open. I mean, not like just not contested balls, you know, getting behind the defense. I, I mean, I can't tell you how many times on third down they're throwing for touchdowns. I, I think mm-hmm. like three or four of their touchdowns like third and were on 12s. third down. Third, third and yeah, 12s. And it wasn't like a third and one <laughs> where you can take a risk maybe. No, they were like third and long, you know, in, in critical territory too. So, yeah, man, it's really tough to watch. Definitely. I mean, I, I thought Adams was very good. We, one, have to give he him was. credit. He he's, he's a guy that could start for a lot of teams. He's definitely a Pac-12 caliber quarterback, a little bit undersized, looked like Fran Tarkin and 10 Russell Wilson running around out there throwing the ball. He's a great quarterback. No no, uh, no qualms about that. Um, but, you know, he hit those deep one-on-one fade routes. He just put it right there in the bucket, and there's nothing those guys could do about it. Even the times you talked about a lot of times there were, there were wide open guys. There's a lot of times when guys were right there on the coverage and uh, you know they were just just hitting it right in the, right in the spot there. Cooper Cup, the receiver, sophomore receiver for um, Eastern Washington, had 145 yards, three touchdowns. He's a kid uh, coming out of Yakima, Washington, Davis High School. Uh, Got to give a little love to the 509 here. So Yaktown, Yaktown. Yeah, uh, yeah. He looked very very good. And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess the the key here uh, is our cornerbacks. You know, Peters was benched in the third for the you know kind of disciplinary after his his uh kind of incidental conduct there with his head against the uh, other team we talked about jermaine kelly was also benched for poor play uh so we ended up finishing the game with travel dixon at one corner and sydney jones a true freshman at the other corner neither of these guys had played in the opener neither had played a snap for the washington huskies um you know so we're and those guys are going to be starting this week so i mean it's it's the learning curve we talked about it with that secondary is going to be high all season and it's even even more uh now that now that we're even thinner there especially with peter's gone yeah i think a lot of people were actually really impressed with travel dixon um in this game he came in and played pretty decently um i mean granted he didn't get a whole lot of help from anybody else to you know help him out but at the same time, you know, he, he was thrown into the fire and he, he played all right. Um, but yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how mm-hmm. these two freshman corners, um, really step up in this. And Illinois it's game. not like they have any veteran safety help they can rely on. You're looking at, you know, Kevin King and a uh, Buddha Baker who are both, uh, unproven freshman, freshman guys. So, I mean, we're very thin in the secondary. Uh, that's going to be, that's going to be tough to watch. And, you know, uh, it'd be nice to see the front seven help them out by getting a lot of pressure on the quarterback. And, um, aside from, you know, Danny Shelton having a very bright spot with four and a half sacks, he's leading the country now with six and a half sacks. We didn't really get that consistent of a push from up front and uh i mean granted adams was scrambling around but it'd be nice to see that front seven really start attacking more and getting after that quarterback yeah with vernon adams scrambling around i mean that is not a very good you know the fact that he can do that and still be very successful throwing the ball isn't a very good sign for teams like oregon and um, there are a lot teams like UCLA. There are a lot of really mobile quarterbacks in this conference. Yeah, you think Mariota wasn't licking his chops? You think Taylor oh, Kelly man. down at Arizona State wasn't licking his chops? Brett Hundley? Those guys are seeing what Vernon Adams is doing against this defense, and they're just salivating at the prospect of facing this Husky defense the way it stands now. Absolutely. Um, another another kind of bright spot that I thought um, throughout this game, uh, I mean, he had 
time on defense and on offense was Shaq Thompson. Um, 14 tackles, forced a huge fumble uh, with 12 minutes left to play, um, and also took one to the house on, I believe it was like a 71-yard rush. 57-yard uh, rush. Yeah, it was, that was awesome. It was awesome to see Shaq out there um, and to see him play both ways and get some get some awesome explosive plays out of him yeah definitely Shaq uh, with the 14 tackles he was he was pretty uh, anonymous in that first game against Hawaii real good to see him getting back in there he also had the sack on the uh, Peters play where that got uh, negated or the, the turnover on downs would have got negated because of the uh, personal foul so yeah he was flying around out there number seven interesting to see that we only gave him the one series on offense after he takes it to the house there so I think they're gonna they're gonna end up uh, featuring him up more on offense definitely but that brings us to the big question, I think. You know, this defense, coming into the year, we thought this defense was going to be really good. We knew the secondary was a question. Clearly, that question has still been unanswered. Um, but the front seven was thought to be a you know a sure thing. These guys are going to be really good. They're not going to be giving up anything up front, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so what, what what happened to our front seven? Why why aren't they uh, performing like the, to the level they did last year? Yeah, if you were to go back and listen to our season preview podcast – I mean, we were just salivating over that defensive front seven. I mean, these are guys with the size, the talent, the just measurables, the immeasurables. The experience, thought, yeah. Yeah, the experience. We we just thought that they were going to rip people's heads off, but they clearly have not been Wait, did you just say rip people's heads off or rip people's heads off? Rip. Okay, rip, good. Rip people's heads off. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but Anyways, I mean, you've gone. It's, it's it's not a talent issue, I don't think. I mean, we've seen these guys. We've seen Shaq Thompson. We've seen Howie Kikaha. We've seen Danny Shelton this year. Mm-hmm. We've seen John Timu play very well in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hudsons. You know, everyone, yeah, yeah Hudsons, definitely. I mean, just everybody's had phenomenal <coughs> plays. And, I mean, I don't know if it was just a, a, a perfect storm of, of suck, but... <laughs> I mean, aside from Danny Sheldon and Shaq Thompson, I mean, Hali Kikaha was absolutely invisible, I thought. Um, you know, it's I, – I don't know. I'm not really sure if it's a coaching issue maybe. I mean, what, what do you think about on that front? So, well, one thing about Kikaha, um, the fact that we're not playing him in a, in a traditional three-point stance defensive end this year. We've kind of moved him to a hybrid linebacker, dropping into a lot more pass coverage, which isn't his natural thing. He's a pass rusher getting after the quarterback. That's one thing I think that, that maybe get him more on some blitzes, on you know put him down in the stance as we adjust our fronts that's something that's that's going to be something that we'll that I think they're going to tinker around with other thing I mean I don't think it's a talent issue we saw how good these guys were last year I think it's it's some sort of coaching thing where it's an adjustment period and that these guys are just they're thinking too much out there you know they're they're learning a whole new scheme they're and they're just they're getting that paralysis from analysis you know they're thinking before they make each step and I think the fact I think that's only going to get better hopefully maybe I'm just trying to justify this performance to myself but but I think these guys as they learn the off or learn the defense more one that's going to allow them to react rather than uh, react just to the ball rather than thinking, okay, I got to follow the left guard and he moves one step this way, I got to move two steps this way, blah, blah, blah. Whatever their keys are, they'll be able to react just and play football. And I think it's going to open the defensive coordinator up to Pete Kudkowski. I think he's going to be able to call more exotic blitzes. He's going to be able to, you know, not go with this vanilla type defense. A lot of the times we're, we're not bringing any blitzes, especially Kikaha. 
we're, we're pretty much dropping into generic defenses as they try and learn um, the new new system. So whether that you know whether that's a coaching thing, whether they should have put more stuff in and not taken Eastern very lightly, you know, who knows? But I think hopefully a couple more games under the belt, you got to see them rounded into form they had last year uh, under Justin Wilcox in that defense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, do you think it's as bad as as it is, or do you think that was kind of a fluke? I mean. I mean, they had quite a few plays. Uh, secondary coach Jimmy Lake even called it out in his press conference after the game. I mean, they had four to five potential interceptions. That guy's just dropped. I mean, mm-hmm. it, and, and if that happens, I mean, all of those were on drives where they went down and scored. That's so, if that, you know, if they only give up, you know, three touchdowns instead of seven touchdowns, then well, clearly, you know, maybe we're talking, we're looking a we're lot talking about a completely different game. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm not. I don't think that it's as bad as a lot of people want to make it sound like. Yeah, I think um, after rewatching the game, I, I feel a lot better about it than I did walking out of Husky Stadium. And I think a lot of people have kind of, you know, there's a lot of strong reactions going on right after the game. But I think, I mean, obviously you can't give up 52 points to an FCS school. No matter how good their quarterback is, no matter how good their offense is, I don't care. You just can't do it. Um, and so moving forward, they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to be better up front, and they're gonna have to grow up real dang fast in the secondary. So uh, I don't know. I think that's enough defensive talk for me. How about you? Yeah, me too. <laughs> let's move on to uh, let's move on to the bright spot of this game, which was clearly the offense. I mean, fifty nine points can't can't be can't complain about that. No, you you really can't. Brand new offense with Siler Miles in it, the quarterback position. I mean. Just eons and eons and eons better than Jeff Lindquist was against Hawaii. Clearly. Yeah, I mean, it felt like we opened it up with him more. I mean, we called Flea Flicker on the first play. Uh, he Mickens is not – he's covered down the middle of the field for the deep ball. He checks down to Casey Williams. We pick up 25 yards. First play of the game, and then we were rolling. I mean, we go for it on fourth down inside the 10 on that first drive as well. We, You know, without even thinking, we're going, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. We get it. We score. We go up seven zip. You know, we're, that offense is rolling, and I think I think the play clock, play calling looked a heck of a lot better, and uh, that's what happens when you're just tearing people up with that offensive line in the running game. Yeah, 356 yards on the ground. I mean, that's insane. Uh, nobody gets 356 yards. LeVon Coleman contributing 118 of those. Um, I mean, we thought, I mean, again, just shows how much us analysts know about you know, the preseason, we were like, oh, well, it's going to be Coleman, it's going to be Washington, it's going to be Cooper, and it's going to be Shaq Thompson. They're all going to get equal touches. But, I mean, LeVon Coleman, holy cow, he is stepping up, and he looks like he could be a number one back, a feature back in this offense. Yeah, he, he looked pretty good. He did get caught from behind on that 160-yard touch or would-be touchdown run, uh, caught at the two-yard line. Come on, man. You can't be getting caught there, Coleman. But <laughs> I'm other sure than he that, got getting, called out in film. Oh, well, and he got Washington vultured that TD from him. So I'm sure there's a little good-natured <laughs> ribbon going on in the film room there. But, uh, yeah, no, he, he looked really good. Uh, redshirt freshman, I mean, he's, he's playing, playing really well. Um, you know, not much to say more about him. He's a small guy, but he's, he's running real hard. Um, clearly, the other running back we got to talk about, Shaq Thompson, three carries in his debut, all on consecutive plays there in the in the first quarter, culminates it with a 57-yard touchdown run to give the Huskies a 21-0 lead. Um, man, good things happen when he touches the football. He took that one cut and he was just off to the races. 
Yep, absolutely. I mean, everybody was buzzing after that touchdown. Um, hopefully, maybe a sign of things you, to come. What were you um, saying about that Rondo call when we were listening to it afterwards? Oh, remember, I don't even remember. Uh, don't even it remember. was, I think, Rondo, well, we were listening to the, on the, on going home on the uh, post-game show, and Rondo, oh, you know, they, they played the highlight of it, and, and uh, he, you know, he gets Shaq Thompson, takes it, and it goes 40-30-10, you know, he basically just skipped <laughs> yeah. over, like, the 20-yard line, because he was, his Shaq was going so fast, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, he was, he was, he was, you know, Shaq Thompson up the middle, oh, 40-30-20, oh, he's gone, like, I'm just laughing you know, about just, it. Just <laughs> laughing about it, because it was such an amazing amazing display of athletic talent um yeah that was great to see from Shaq um I also I mean speaking of speed I think we should talk about John Ross again still just a burner I mean he had a 55 yard touchdown run on a bubble screen where he just left people in his oh. in his dust I mean it was like you could see kind of like, like he was on... a jet stream going <laughs> behind his cleats a little bit yeah, God, he was on turbo speed, and everybody else was on turtle speed. I mean, yeah. he is just ridiculous. Um, also had a nice, nice little rush on a reverse. What, what do we got to um, do to get this guy a few more touches, though? He only touched it twice. I, I know. I mean, you think you would think? I mean, he's Percy Harvin esque. Get the ball in his he hands. Really I don't is. care what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Get I mean, him, get the man I, the football. I think. I mean, obviously, it's hard to complain about the uh, the play calling and distribution of the ball when we scored 59 points. We were stopped, you know, like twice, I think, the whole game. So hard to complain about that, but it'd be nice to see him him get the football. Um, and uh, I think Siler Miles is doing a pretty good job of distributing the ball as well. Yeah, he went 14 for 24, 180 yards and a touchdown. Also ran for three touchdowns and uh, 58 yards. Uh, he ran that guy over game. on that one touchdown, too. Oh, Holy yeah. cow. He, he, he punished him. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. He, that was great to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, Siler, Siler, this performance from him reminded me a lot of that one down at Oregon State last year where, yeah, you know, he, he wasn't asked to do a ton just because we were running the ball so darn well, you know. He he only attempted 24 passes. I venture to guess that about 50% of those were bubble screens um, to Mickens or Ross. And so, you know, he, he didn't really need to throw the ball down the field. Uh, the one thing I would say, he uh, he doesn't have quite as much zip on the ball as a Lindquist or uh, Troy Williams or, you know, any of the other guys you're watching out there. But he, uh, I mean, he's very accurate with it. Um, the one thing, the question I think is just, is, is when someone touched down the run, is he going to be able to carry our offense through the air? Yeah, we're probably not going to see that until, until the big game against Stanford on the 27th. I mean, yeah. uh, that game just continuing to loom large on the schedule there it's 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 looking like that could be a solid matchup where hopefully we've got all these defensive problems sorted out and then uh we can just you know go in there with with Mm -hmm. a solid team all around um but first we got to focus on illinois and on georgia state um speaking of the illinois game let's get into a little little preview of that one yeah yeah illinois coming to town uh 1 p.m. kickoff on Fox. Uh, I don't know how we swung the Fox game. This schedule of games this week is very weak. Uh, Illinois, or the Huskies favored by 14 and a half points, just over two touchdowns there. Uh, going up against the Fighting Illini, coached by Tim Beckman, who's in his third season as the Illinois coach. Uh, he's 8-18. Eight and 18. Uh, What happened last year in Soldier Field when we, uh, when we played him? Yeah, that that was uh, the 34-24 Husky win. Uh, Bishop Sankey, 208 on the ground. Keith Price, 342 through the air. Uh, just kind of a kind of a 
total offensive di- de- demolition mm-hmm. of uh, the Illini out in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, great game there last year on the road. Uh, they come out to to Seattle this year. This is an Illinois team. They're two and zero on the year after coming back to beat Western Kentucky. They were down down by I believe two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Come back to win forty two thirty four, and they uh, squeaked by Youngstown State in the opener. So this is a team that's they struggled uh, so far off the gates against a couple uh, pretty weak opponents or lesser opponents. We'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I mean. Same, you could say the exact same thing about the oh, Huskies. Oh, clearly, yeah. Clearly. <laughs> um, so you know, it, who knows how this game's gonna gonna shape up? I mean, this is really the last tune-up for Washington before uh, Stanford. I mean, I, I'm not counting Georgia Southern as yeah, a tune-up because I don't. I think they're the sisters of the poor, but they, um, they really are. <laughs> this is this is what this is probably you know your your third preseason game to give it an analogy uh to the nfl there where you're going to see what this team can actually do uh mm-hmm. before they go and play their their true their true test in stanford yeah definitely uh the key key to their offense uh, is west lunt he's a transfer from oklahoma state he uh he started as a true freshman for six games at oklahoma state ended up losing out on the job transfers back home to uh his home state of illinois last week he threw for three 456 yards uh, three touchdowns. I mean, this is an offense that's going to click. They're going to run the spread. Uh, Lunt's not quite as athletic as the Vernon Adams is, so that's that should bode well for being able to get a little more pressure on him, a little less escapability. So we should be able to take, hopefully, a little pressure off our uh, depleted secondary there. The one thing to note, too, Illinois' offense uh, converting 61% of their third downs. Uh, it's ninth in the country. So getting off the field, which has been a problem for the Husky defense, is going to be paramount this week uh, if they want to keep uh, – keep that Illinois offense at bay yeah I think another key of the game is going to be a tur- uh, getting a key tur- turnover late in the game um, look at like the third or fourth quarter I think the Huskies will um, I mean either team one of the teams is going to have to come up with a big pick um, and and get some good field position well, because, that's, what we did, mean, that's what we did last week to stem the tide and uh, end up taking the two touchdown lead you know that that, that fumble was huge absolutely yeah mm-hmm. uh, what do, you, what do you think this game? That's 14.5-point spread. Um, should be a little bit of a shootout, especially with that depleted UW secondary. Um, mm. what, what are your thoughts here uh, for Illinois versus Washington? To be honest, I think this the Illinois team, uh, well, you know, they are from a power conference. I think Eastern's probably better than they are. Um, that being said, I think, I think it's going to be fairly tight again. It's going to be a shootout. Uh, I still think the Huskies pull away um late you know maybe they're tied going into the fourth i think but uh the huskies end up getting a w 45 35 lock it up yeah i i mean i also think the huskies should win this game um i mean you know we've we've said it for both these two previous games that the huskies should win um I, I don't know. Something, they have. They're two and zero. You know, as much as we want to hate on this defense, that we're two and zero, uh, and hopefully they can improve uh, off those two games. Yeah, I, I mean, if I were in Vegas, I wouldn't touch this game. Honestly, no. fourteen and a half is a lot. It's a lot of points, and I mean, these are. It's kind of two unknowns almost at this point. It really point. is. Um, I'm I'm gonna go Huskies win. I'm gonna say forty to. 28 40 28 yeah huskies by 12 so neither of us have them covering the spread there huh yeah nope neither of us do 
No, well, let's hope they uh, – actually, I don't really care if they cover this bet or not because I'm not going to be betting it in Vegas. So let's just hope they get more points than Illinois does. It's all about the W, baby. All about the all W. Right. All right, Kyle. Uh, I don't know about you. Getting a little thirsty here. When you need that frothy refreshment, it's time for Sports with Teeth Beer of the Week. Give me a cold beer here. Oh, man, that's good. Beer of the Week. Beer of the Week. Oh, yes, it's time for, again, for Sports with Teeth Beer of the Week. Uh, we got a couple yeah, let's go. Couple good ones on tap for you tonight. Um, I'm going to start myself off here. Uh, I've got a sublimely self-righteous black IPA by Stone Brewing Company. Um, little shout-out to friend of the pod, Bryant Shulman. I believe this is his favorite beer on the planet. Uh, so That is true, got, at least as of two years ago. <laughs> I mean, you know, taste change, who knows? <laughs> Um, it's got 90 IBUs, 8.7% alcohol content, some very floral Chinook, Simcoe, and Amarillo hops in it. Uh, it's got a really nice bouquet, um, hits you right in the nostrils, right when you put it to your lips, and then just kind of smashes you on the palate. That really hoppy, um, really bitter IPA flavor that we've come to know and love. And, um, Kyle, I'm, I'm telling you, this is a dark, dark beer. I mean, just like think of oil and tar and like just as black as you can get it but it, it's it's just not that not not that like stout flavor that you've come accustomed to uh with dark beers trippy really I mean, you look at it you think it's gonna taste like a guinness like a porter you know but all of a sudden you take a sip and it's like holy cow that's uh that's a nice ipa flavor there so uh yeah it very very kind of weird beer but very tasty beer and obviously anything stone makes gonna be a, gonna be a solid beer yeah i've been kind of tinkering with some of my beer selections lately um been really into like the black ipas um the nut brown ales and then on the other side of the spectrum um these hoppy pilsners that are you know all all three of these different genres are you know pour them into your glass and they look like something completely different than what they taste like i mean this black Mm -hmm. ipa looks like it's a guinness but it tastes like a sierra nevada whereas the the hoppy pilsners look like miller light and taste you know like like a bale breaker almost um so (laughs) You know, just to just give a little shout out again to one of our favorite breweries on the show. Um, you've got a little bit of a controversial pick here for beer of the week. I'm not really sure how I feel about it yet. Yeah, it's pretty controversial. It's kind of like you taking UCLA to go to the final four. Oh, um, on blast. <laughs> on blast. Shots fired across the bow. Um, I have a uh, cider tonight, Laura. Uh, I know you've you've already given me crap about this uh, in our pre-production meetings. Um, I have a Titan Cider Works company here in Yakima. They come out with a Yakima Valley Dry Hop Cider. Um, it's actually, I mean, I'm not a cider guy at all, but uh, I have to say the dry hops in there really make it, uh, you know, for a beer lover like me, it's very approachable as a cider. I actually am liking liking it quite a bit. Yeah, you know, I'm not the biggest cider fan in the world. Um, the dry hops part sounds very intriguing to me. 
Um, yeah, you got you got to love the dry hops I mean, in there. I mean, you can really you can smell it, you know, when you're smelling it. And a lot of ciders you taste are just way too sweet. Uh, it tastes like you're gonna have a headache the next morning. Uh, you know, this is this is one of the ones that uh, you know it tastes almost almost like a light beer with a little bit of a little apple flavor in there. And you know, Yakima Valley, as it says on the bottle here, um, produces 50% of the apples grown in the United States and 70% of the hops. So it's the perfect combination of my hometown there. Uh, and, you know, actually, uh, if anyone's uh, looking at getting into the cider game, I think this one might be uh, a good little dabbling. Or even if you're a cider fan and want to get into the hop game, uh, you know, go for it. Titan Cider Works. Uh, it is sold over in Seattle, so uh, it's one of the top ciders in the in the state. So uh, I'd recommend it pretty highly. Yeah, you know what I always do with when I drink cider, and I, I don't know how you feel about this, but... I do, you know, fill up the pint glass with cider, and then I throw a little fireball, a little shot of fireball on top of it. It makes it taste nice and cinnamony. Yeah, I mean, then you got yourself a little apple pie. Um, I don't know if I can fully endorse that as a flavor combo. I can totally endorse it. Um, otherwise, it's, it's a little risky decision. There. Yeah, you know, I might, I might be letting my uh, Wazoo flag fly a little bit there. Just just a little peek of the Coog flag. Oh, Oh, Laura, did you did you mean to do that transition? What? what? No, I didn't plan <laughs> that at all. Why don't we talk about other Pac-12 football games this year? That wraps up Beer of the Week. How about them Cougs? Oh, hey, go Cougs, man. Go Cougs. Hey, go Cougs. Oh, so fun to oh, watch and just their failure every week. It's so much fun. Oh, man. Nevada, 24. Washington State, 13. What's going on over on the Palouse? Uh, well, not a whole lot of running. No, no running of the football. I'll tell you <laughs> zero running. Uh, Connor Halliday throwing 389 through the air. Um, they fell behind 14-0, and the offense just could not get them back into the ball game. Oh man, yeah. it, it was just brutal to watch. I mean, we were both watching it uh, on Friday night while we were, you know, out with friends and everything. God, it was just, just so difficult. I don't know if. You know, yeah. they, they've got a big game against Portland State this weekend. If they don't win that, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. They might not win a game. Well, they're, they're not going bowling anymore. That's that's, that's out of sure. the question pretty much. They ain't going – well, maybe that's a good thing after their bull experience last year. But, boy, the Cougs is just brutal. <clears throat> Luckily for Mike Leach, his seat's warming up. But uh, I hear he's got a future in the organic farming industry. <laughs> uh, for anyone who saw the new, new Go Cougs commercial, uh, that was pretty funny. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know what to say, man. I feel kind of bad for the guys on the Palouse. But then again, uh, I don't at all. It's pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the one bad thing is that it – looks bad for our conference as a whole and realistically they might end up beating us in the in the finale and it really looks bad for you us you know that would be so wazoo to do that just <laughs> you know not be not even be in a Classic. position to to make a ball game and then just come no. out let me do two and nine and come back and knock us off with a holiday going for like 700 yards passing probably uh, let's hope that doesn't happen but happen. it's <laughs> Probably was going to happen realistically. Uh, another another big game. This is really the, the key game uh, of the weekend, not just in the Pac-12, but in college football. Oregon taking it to Michigan State in that second half, 46, Michigan State 27. Uh, big game for the Ducks, uh, answering a lot of questions and really cementing themselves as a as a team to contend for that, uh, that national championship. Yeah, this was a classic Oregon game. I mean, this harkens back to Chip Kelly days. Um, you know, just a pretty, pretty tough fight. They go behind, um, at one point they're down 27, 18, 
and uh, I mean, just comes back and they just duck you. It's into the fourth quarter, and all of a sudden, Michigan State's legs look sloppy. They're not, you know, carrying out their fakes. They're not running as fast as they were, and Oregon just kicks it into fifth gear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Michigan State scored 24 points in the second quarter, really take the lead going into half, end up kicking a field goal, go up by uh, nine points there in the third quarter. And I'm thinking the Ducks had 14 yards rushing in the first half. I'm thinking this Oregon team, really all those questions we had about, you know, is Helfritz going to be able to do it? You know, this rushing attack with their, their banged-up offensive line, they can't get a push up the middle. Uh, you know, all those th- questions about Oregon we had kind of going into the year possibly, uh, they were kind of coming to a fruition. I know a lot of Duck fans down there were – uh, pretty nervous. I know those, the Austin Stadium wasn't too loud, and uh, you know the Ducks end up rallying back, take a take a just a boat race into that second half and score the final twenty eight points to win going away. Yeah, I mean the big part of it was Marcus Mariota, as we've said all preseason long. Um, he's just an eclectic athlete. Uh, just had had a lot of help. Had a lot of help too. Helped out by freshman Devin Allen and Royce Freeman. Um, but I mean, that's that's a lot of speed you've got there. But um, still, this all ran through Marcus Mariota. Oh, clearly, yeah. Marcus Mariota, huge game. Uh, Devin Allen, though, another freshman. He had a couple touchdowns. He was the hundred meter hurdle championship uh, in the nation last year. Uh, he's redshirt freshman. He was he was pretty nasty. You know, I think the big big thing here is Elfrich. You know, it's we had a lot of questions about him going into the year. Is he the guy down there to you know keep this program rolling? And I think he answered a lot with those adjustments in the second half. And you know, uh, Duck fans are sleeping a lot easier with Elfrich at the helm. I'll Though I would say I'd, lo- I'd like to see what he does without Mariota because he's got basically a coach on the field who's supremely talented out there. Yeah, I mean, but uh, we've we've said that before about Oregon. You know, we said who's going to be after Joey Harrington? Who's going to be after Dennis Dixon? Who's <laughs> going to be after yada yada yada? They always seem to yeah, grab a, a recruit that just you know can throw the ball all over the field, run like he's like his butts on fire. I mean. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, they're they're looking pretty solid. Yeah, um, I also wanted to bring up Ifo Ekpre Olamu's amazing interception that was just a feat of athleticism. Uh, oh my gosh, he dove it. like seven feet. It was insane. God, that was that was just pretty to watch. I think we were all watching it at that point. We we're just everybody's just awestruck by that by that performance. That yeah. was crazy. Yeah, it was pretty unbelievable. Yeah, and that puts the Ducks in the in line for a playoff berth uh, early in the season, albeit, but they they big win out of conference really shows a lot for the committee. All right, Kyle, let's move on to uh, the other big game this weekend: Stanford and USC down on the farm in Palo Alto. USC uh, survives and uh, wins this game, thirteen to ten. Big win for Steve Sarkeesian on the road as they get to 2-0 and and 1-0 and in conference play, the first conference game of the season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, USC, huge win for Sark on the road. Puts them really really in the driver's seat in that Pac-12 South. Uh, getting a win at Stanford, never an easy place to play. Never easy to beat Stanford ever since Harbaugh and Shaw have been there. 
Um, you know, they take the, take a lead on a 53-yard field goal with 2.30 to play, and then Kevin Hogan driving Stanford down. We got to see this right after the Huskies Husky game ended. We were sitting out in the concourse there watching the ball game. We saw pretty much the only part of the game we really needed to see as Hogan drives them <laughs> down into the into field goal range, down on the 22-yard line, 19 seconds left, third and six, gets sacked, fumbles the football. SC recovers to seal the win, and what's a huge, huge, not, or a huge conference win early in the season for the trojans yeah a lot of weird stuff going on in this game too i mean probably the one of the talks of you know off the field talks of this weekend was pat hayden the usc athletic director and a member of the college football playoff selection committee playoffs. coming down to the field and arguing with the referees at the behest <laughs> of steve sarkeesian i mean just so odd this... and so weird that you know, you never see any ADs, regardless of their affiliation with this playoff, coming down to the field and arguing with refs. I mean, that's just kind of unheard of. Yeah, it really, it's just one of those things that just didn't really seem right, you know? I don't know if it was, uh, you know, I don't think it's necessarily bad or, like, improper. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure Pat Hayden's a man of pretty pretty high integrity that he's going to be able to, and he has to excuse himself whenever SC's talked about, but... It is. It is just an interesting thing, you know. When we got the human human element, all these people have affiliations to colleges. You know, you got uh, Barry Alvarez from Wisconsin, or Andrew Luck, Andrew Luck's dad Oliver from, uh, you know, West Virginia, Condoleezza Rice from Stanford. All these t- all these people on the committee have affiliations to different schools. You know, it's something that that needs to be watched, and the biases uh, are going to be a part of the part of anything that humans ever do. So it's something that is uh, is a big talking point this week. I think, especially with Hayden going down on the field. Yeah, Hayden fined twenty five thousand dollars for that little altercation. Um, so I mean, he did get punished for it, and have subsequently come out and apologized mm-hmm. as well as Hugh Sarkeesian. So um, I don't really think it's that big of a deal moving forward. And I mean, it if anything, it just acts as deterrent for future playoff committee members to get themselves involved whatsoever on the field of play. So. Um, yeah, but just an, a very odd situation. Yeah, very, very odd. Um, you know, I think I think uh, other other stuff to look at from this game. Back to the game. Uh, Stanford. David Shaw just going ultra, ultra conservative in this one. They outgained USC by 150 yards, but Shaw he pretty much wussed out, I think, and they they it cost themselves by not cashing in on points. Stanford punted from the 32 yard line and from the 29 yard line in this game. Uh, one of those resulted in a touchback, so they only gained uh, nine yards of field position by not going for it on fourth down or attempting a long field goal. I think that's critical in a, in a low scoring three three point game like this uh, when you got you got to have confidence in your defense to be able to give the ball up on the 30-yard line. Uh, obviously, he didn't have that, or I don't know why he didn't have that. So something uh, something I think he might be kicking himself for, uh, especially in a close game like that when when three or six points there could have won the game, made the difference. Yeah, talk about having faith in your defense, but having faith in your kicker. I mean, <laughs> you're, not, you're not kicking from the 29-yard line. I mean, I know 40, college kickers 46, are... 46-yarder? I mean that's that's yeah, pretty big for college. I mean, I know, yeah, it, it is long for college, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. No, We've seen definitely. college kickers well, 50, hit from fifty three yarder, fifty three yarder won this football game. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I don't know. I I mean, conventional wisdom would 
I mean, if you don't have any faith in your kicker, even if you do go have faith in your kicker, you probably just go for it. I, on the 32-yard line, the 29-yard line, yeah, are you kidding me? low-scoring game, just go for it. You're not giving up that much field position. Yeah. I mean, there have been studies done on this where coaches should go for go for it on fourth down more often. Um, I agree. You know, it's been taken to the extreme in some situations, especially there's a uh, – I believe there's a high school in Arkansas – where they this coach has been coaching there for like seven years and has never punted, um, like a video <laughs> so, game, which which I love. <laughs> but uh, you know I, he's got to have a little bit more faith in himself as a play caller and yeah, you know, crazy. his offense and his defense. It's for crazy, that huh? so yeah. Uh, side other other notes from the, from this ball game uh, or actually let's go let's move on from this game. Yeah, yeah let's move on. Let's move on. There's not really much other to note. I already watched it, and honestly, uh, I guess Buck Allen went for 153 yards. That's about it. But, uh, yeah, two two teams that are going to be there, uh, I think, in the Pac-12 race. Uh, nothing really groundbreaking here. I don't think that we learned. Both teams have decent defenses and mediocre offenses. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Let's move on. Um, another Pac-12 game, UCLA 42 over Memphis 35. UCLA again just not impressing too much uh for a team who i had in my college football playoff i mean i'm last week i said i wasn't going to jump off the bandwagon but oh man i've got a foot off <laughs> right now it's it's You're very teetering right off in ucla yeah I, it's, I it's very touching i don't blame you i mean it, this game was tied up 35 35 in the fourth quarter this is a late night game we were flipping between this and the mariners game uh, you know, UCLA, they, they looked very mediocre. Their defense, uh, obviously giving up five touchdowns against a Memphis team, a, com- a mediocre Conference USA team. Uh, you know, I, that's not, that's not going to get it done in this, in this Pac-12, uh, you know, high-profile offense. You know, they're having the defense problems kind of like our Huskies. Uh, offensively, you know, Brett Hundley threw for 400 yards, but he was running for his life, and, you know, with a uh, with a mediocre offensive line and a defense that's not performing that well, I mean, I said it last week. I'll say it again. I think this is the the third best team in the Pac-12 South between behind SC and Arizona State. Yeah, I don't want their matchup uh, between the Huskies and the Bruins to mm-hmm. be for who goes to the Fight Hunger Bowl, Sun bowl. or the, What's up? the the Holiday Bowl or the you know what Alamo bowl or whatever. I don't want it to be for that, but I mean, all, all signs are kind of, yeah, I think that's what, (laughs) that's what our our friends over at the solid verbal podcast, who, if you like college football, you should definitely listen to their podcast. Uh, Dan Rubenstein, he called their, their, uh, UCLA team, a holiday bowl defense with a sun bowl offense. (laughs) And I think that's pretty accurate right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, miles Jack had a rushing TD, which, Hold on. Cheers. Mm, 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 mm. Gotta love that stone brewery. Mm, um, cider. Hunley, Hunley threw for 400 yards. Um, yeah. This is a UCLA I team mean, that needs to improve a lot if they want to have absolutely. any sort of <clears throat> their preseason aspirations accomplished. And uh, it doesn't look like they're getting there anytime soon. We'll see. They, they do go go to Texas this week, which normally you'd think that's a, uh, a hard game, but that should be a game they can get healthy against as Texas dropped to BYU 41-6. to Ouch. Yeah. 
yikes i mean who knows if ucla continues to struggle i mean that could be that could be a struggle fest <laughs> could be the, right there. the dirt bowl of the uh <laughs> uh preseason here uh, another another pac-12 game uh real quickly the late game out in uh, honolulu Oregon State 38, Hawaii 30. I think we were we were in bed before this one went final, uh, and Oregon State had a comfortable lead. Hawaii scores 23 points in the fourth quarter to make it closer than it seems. But uh, yeah, uh, Oregon State looked pretty good, uh, especially in those first three quarters uh, against Hawaii. Yeah, if nothing else, the final score line is slightly encouraging for Husky fans. Maybe <laughs> there you go. I don't know. There you go. I mean, <laughs> you at, know, first, he... at first glance, it is, but uh, it really wasn't that close at all <laughs> yeah no I, i'm i'm not really gonna glean a whole lot from that game yeah. um again i mean would have been interesting to see hawaii knock off osu but uh, not gonna happen it doesn't really matter um let's talk about some other national games um i think the first one notre dame just absolutely destroying michigan 31 to 0 to to send them packing from this rivalry series Ooh. not going to be played again in the near future um and that's got to leave a real bad taste in the mouth of michigan fans and uh <laughs> <I> thought, <laughs> might might just light light a little fire and i thought uh, you were gonna say it was gonna uh, leave a bad taste in brady hoke's mouth and i was gonna say that <laughs> there was never a bad taste in brady hoke's mouth <laughs> because it always tastes like calzones <laughs> yeah brady hoke's the only man i've ever known to eat more than one calzone in a sitting Hey man, don't knock calzones. I'm just calzones saying they're great, great, but who's ever had more than that's, one? That's my wheelhouse, Brady right Hoke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Notre Dame's looking. Notre Dame's looking pretty solid. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, Ever Golson in his return to uh, to Indiana, there yep. uh, just He's just rolling, waking up He's the echoes great. there. Um, yeah, no, they they should be good. And uh, if they ever get into their <laughs> suspended players back, they could be a team that's contending for this uh, Final Four. I think one more game before we talk about our Final Fours. Uh, Virginia Tech goes into the horseshoe, beats uh, Ohio State 35-21 in what was pretty much a butt-whooping, and uh, as Virginia Tech with a big upset there. Yep, absolutely. I mean, that pretty much solidifies <clears throat> the fact that Ohio State's not going to be the Big Ten representative in the college football I think playoff. it solidifies that there's probably not going to be a Big Ten representative in the playoff. That's that's very possible. Because, Completely I mean, you possible. look at all oh, in the course of about an hour there, Michigan State got rolled in the second half, Michigan got rolled, Ohio State got rolled at home. I mean, those three teams losing, those were kind of the, the bellwethers of their of their conference, and all of them choked. Uh, you look at Wisconsin two weeks ago, lost, uh, lost a game to LSU that they could have won, made a big statement there. So the Big Ten really, really not doing any favors in their uh, non-conference. And uh, you got to think Jim Delaney sitting at home uh, having a few Big Ten tiers. Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Those uh, Dan Beebe Big Ten tiers <laughs> right there. He had some Texas tiers um, too la- on Saturday. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. Always always fun to watch Texas fail. Uh, always. Kinda, yeah, the Longhorn Network. Like, How's uh, that working out for you? <laughs> Gig them. Um, <laughs> Kyle... What uh, what do you see in in your updated Final Four standings here? And uh, are you going to make any changes this week, or are you going to keep it keep it the same? See, I don't have any updating to do right now. I got Auburn in there. They dropped seventy on someone this week. Uh, Oregon obviously had their big statement win against uh, against Michigan State. They're solidly in there. Baylor had their backup quarterback in, giving Bryce Petty a rest. They dropped seventy as well, so they're in there. Uh, Florida State beat the Citadel um, uh, in what was a really, really 
evenly matched, hotly contested game. Uh, Florida State's still in there for me. Uh, so I'm staying with my same four. Auburn Tigers, Oregon Ducks, Baylor Bears, and Florida State Seminoles. Yeah, uh, Kyle, I'm ready to make a change. Oh, uh, this 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 comes comes hard for me, but breaking news. Ready to make chains at this point in the season. Uh, I think our first change uh, of the entire season for our final four rankings. UCLA is not in my final four They're anymore. Uh, they are replaced by the Oregon Ducks. Ooh, <sighs> it says as much as it pains me to say. It's you got you got to go by what you see on the field, you know. They look phenomenal. They yeah. look phenomenal against Michigan State. I hate that they look phenomenal, but they look phenomenal mm-hmm. all the same. Um, I have, uh, I believe, last last week I had um, Alabama, I had Oklahoma, and I had Florida State in there as well with Oregon. Um, Oklahoma just absolutely annihilating Tulsa. They went for, I believe... Let me see here. They went for 580 total yards, 319 passing, 261 on the ground. Um, that night, one wasn't baby. even close. Uh, I think I think Tulsa scored a garbage time third quarter touchdown to make it 52-7. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm I really like Oklahoma this year. By the way, uh, maybe next week we should get into a, into a little breakdown of the the Sooners over there. Mm-hmm in norman but um yep my final four right now auburn oregon oklahoma and florida state in no particular order um making anything else you want to anything else you want to talk about uh in the college ranks before we move on college football wise uh not much to see college football next next weekend you know you got that husky game at one other than that there's the only top 25 matchup is south carolina and georgia um, and South Carolina, should they be ranked in the top 25? Hell no. Uh, we'll get to see Todd Gurley, though. That'll be fun. So, uh, yeah, other than that, no, game day is going to be in Fargo. So that means there's really no no good games on. So enjoy the enjoy the Saturday with your loved ones. Uh, you don't have to spend too much time on the couch, but do cherish this college football season because it goes way too damn fast. Yeah. Is, is North Dakota just – are they going to get – this week three kind of thing every year like they keep got it last year they keep like, beating fcs teams they or fbs teams i'm sure they will i mean i guess i just i mean like once it was fine but the second time i don't know we did get some good signs out of fargo last oh, year yeah. though so oh what, what was your favorite um, sign uh, of game day this week just none of them can i can i no, choose none no remember remember come on mom said please send money i oh, laid no. the points <laughs> yeah i did like that one that one was okay that, one that was, was a okay. classic one i literally <laughs> like that uh, uh other than that though i, I don't like organ organ signs <laughs> i, know you I don't, don't like organ signs at all <laughs> all right um let's move on uh our last thing before we let you guys go here um let's talk about the hawks uh i came up uh, specifically for this game, but then ended up uh, by the grace of your parents, Rick and Ann Washington, going to the Husky game as well. Um, it was just rocking and rolling in CenturyLink Field. Had Walter Jones, Cortez Kennedy, and Steve Largent, all three of the Seahawks that's, Hall of Famers. That's quite the trifecta the 12th right man there. Flag. Oh, and I was like right next to him too. It was great. That's awesome. Um, I, Walter Jones is my favorite football player of all time. I don't know if you knew that. Um, nice. He was kind of... He's a guy who kind of got me into football. Um, he was like, 
he was left tackle for the Husky or for the Seahawks, excuse me. Um, right when I was growing up there, right when I was starting to play football. So, um, he is the man got his hall of fame ring at halftime, um, which was great to see. But the bigger story is the Seahawks just annihilating the Packers 36 to 16. Um, just kind of, kind of give them a little good old fashioned Northwest butt whooping. Yeah. This game was uh, semi hotly contested in the first half. I think the Hawks were up by a touchdown at halftime and they just put it on them in the second half. This team looks like they haven't missed a beat since that Super Bowl. Uh, I think they're clearly the top team in the league right now, and they're looking poised to repeat. That offense was just nasty, you know. Over 400 yards uh, on the on the offensive side of the ball. You put Percy Harvin, healthy Percy Harvin, pairing with a Marshawn Lynch, orchestrated by Russell Wilson, and you got yourself one heck of an offense to go with what we know is an all-time defense. Yeah, absolutely. Percy Harvin had 100 yards of total offense. Marshawn Lynch had 110 rushing yards and two touchdowns. I mean, if you get that combo, if you get both of them accounting for 100 yards of offense in one game, you got a pretty damn good chance of winning a game. I don't care who it is against. Um, Russell Wilson also just balling out 19 for 28, 191 yards, two touchdowns, playing that point guard quarterback position, no interceptions, mm-hmm. 110 passer rating. Um and probably one of the cooler plays we've seen uh, from the pros for for a couple of years, Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll, um, and uh, just pulling out the the Gus Malzahn play from Auburn last year, the, pop the, pass. Uh, the little read the read option pop pass, which was awesome oh, for Ricardo thirty three yards. I love that for the touchdown. You know, you know, sometimes the NFL affects the way that uh, actually most times the NFL affects college football but we've seen quite a bit here that college football has been you know being incorporated into the nfl and uh that is a very very clear instance where um you know just stole the play and ran it to perfection yeah yeah and i think i think a lot of recently you've seen a lot of college college offense stuff trickling into the pros um be it the read option be it you know you know, earlier, and so we could go in football history here with the West Coast offense going from Bill Walsh back to the college, but now we're looking at the read option going from college to the pros, the Wildcat. A lot of these offensive coordinators in the NFL are really stealing from these these college uh, coordinators, so fun to see that. Uh, defensively, they looked, looked stout as well, shutting down Eddie Lacy, who's a huge back. Uh, I believe the rookie of the year last year offensively held him to 30, 34 yards. Um, and also, I mean, we shut down shut down Aaron Rodgers uh, and pretty much didn't throw uh, to one half of the field, did he? No, I mean, probably the biggest defensive stat of the night was a, a zero, a goose egg on the board. Richard Sherman, zero targets all night, uh, didn't throw the ball his way once. That's one of the elite quarterbacks in the Probably NFL, and Aaron Rodgers, the premier quarterback in the National Football League. I, I would 100% agree. I mean, maybe outside of Peyton Manning, maybe outside of Drew Brees. I mean, those guys are the top right there. <laughs> um, so, just the fact that NFL offensive coordinators with an Aaron Rodgers are willing to, you know, not throw to Sherman, just basically just take a. I've never, seen, I've never seen anything like it. Scissors. They're terrified Just of take them. a big pair of scissors and cut away a third of your playbook. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. We haven't seen that. Um, and, you know, maybe it's going to be a dull year for Richard Sherman, but I think he'll take it. I mean, you know, he's fine. If they're going to respect him like that, then he's going to, you know, he'll take it. He'll let 
the other guys on the field make the plays for him. So um, pretty pretty good. Uh, pass rush looking solid. Uh, Aaron Rodgers sacked three times. Didn't really ever get his passing game going um, by Aaron Rodgers standards. Uh, only the 13th time, Kyle, that Aaron Rodgers has been held to under 200 yards passing in a game where he started and finished the game, meaning not getting injured. Um, so wow. that's that's pretty good for uh, a guy who's played over 100 games in his career. Great stat there, War. Yeah, no, I think I think going forward, this team really t- putting the league on notice that we're back. We're going to be defending our title, uh, and it's going to the championship's going to come through Seattle. I think uh, the Niners obviously looked good yesterday on Sunday. Um, they're going to be us and them are the class of the league, and everyone else are really just chasing us. Yeah, the the Broncos not looking too terrible either. Um, I mean, Peyton Manning looks like he's right back where he started. Um, some of the guys I want to I want to give a little shout out to Bobby Wagner, who had 14 tackles on the day, and KJ Wright, that linebacking core, were just phenomenal all day on Thursday night. Um, these guys are kind of unheralded, unheralded, but just are phenomenal at that linebacker position. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they don't get the press like Richard Sherman. They don't get the the glory like the Cliff Averills and the Michael Bennetts, but these guys are just are just solid, solid players that, um, you know, are young and really point to how Pete Carroll has, uh, has, has evaluated his talent and brought in some guys that are really, really solid players. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, you could, we go on and on about talent evaluation, uh, by Carolyn Schneider. That's what they've made their calling card on, you know, case in point, Richard Sherman, uh, you know, obviously another, another thing to touch on here, uh, talking about this ball game is that the fact that uh, Earl Thomas was back there returning punts. He did have the the muff kick, mm-hmm. um, where he definitely should have called a fair catch. Uh, got hit right as he caught it. So that's something to look for. You know, a guy return, first time returning punts. Uh, also, you know, it's it's a little worrisome seeing your your defensive leader out there uh, put on the line. But I guess they they got reasons for it. And obviously, he's hopefully going to be able to make it, make some plays for us in that in that return game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, at San Diego next week, um, not scared about this game at all. If you have a survivor pool or something that you're looking to move forward on, Seahawks are going to be a good pick every week, let's be real, <laughs> but um, maybe a little bit better one this week because they're just going to kick the crap out of a San Diego team that did not look very good. Um, I mean, they looked okay, but it wasn't. You know they're they're not up to snuff with these uh, these Seahawks. So yeah, hopefully you um, never know though. Going on the road, it is a short road trip. Uh, just going down the coast, so that is and something it is that... and it is Philip Rivers. I mean he can he can turn it on. They do play up to good good yeah, opponents. No, so. I, I think this this is going to be a close game, a twenty four twenty one type game. I don't think I don't think you'll see us blow it out. I wouldn't uh, waste your Seahawks pick in a survivor pool on this one. Uh, wait till they're at home. Um, but. Yeah, no, I think I think it's a game they should win, and I think uh, realistically they're going to be favored against just about everyone, aside from if they're at San Francisco. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, Kyle. Well, uh, that's pretty much going to wrap us up here. Um, just before one, we go. one quick other thing. Back to Husky news. We forgot to talk about. I forgot to put it in it. our notes. Uh, the sun at Husky Stadium. Uh, why is our why is our bench in the sunny oh side, not in the shade side? How did we not talk about this? I don't know how we didn't talk about this in the very beginning. <laughs> we had a pretty heated debate. I had a really heated debate with someone on Twitter about this. Um, <laughs> why? I just don't understand why. If you don't, if you guys 
to haven't realized it, Husky Stadium, the uh, it was very evident this last week. The Huskies are on the north sideline. Um, the opponent is on the south. And when you play an afternoon game, the sun is just bearing down on that north sideline. Meanwhile, the stadium's blocking the opponent's sideline, and they're in the shade, and they're just fresh and cool down there. I mean, <laughs> we were in the shade. wasn't too bad, but at halftime, you could see the fans on the opposite side of the stadium. Everybody left. And because it was, it was unbearable in the sun, yeah. And obviously, our players are in pads and helmets, and they're running around hitting each other. I mean, it's it's something that that they're going to look at. I think Coach Peterson was asked about it. He said he uh, wasn't sure why, and that they had talked about possibly changing for another game. So we'll see if they end up doing that. But hopefully, they they can get in the shade because it was definitely a decided advantage for the away team, which you never want to see on your on your home field. So. Uh, we'll see if that gets squared away. A uh, little tidbit that you might not have picked up on if you weren't at the game. So, love to give you guys those. Thanks for listening again this week. And, uh, War, uh, it was a good podcast. Uh, go, dogs. Yeah, absolutely. As always, feel free to drop us a line sportswithteeth at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at sportswithteeth or on the Facebook. Just search the sportswithteeth podcast. Kyle, great, great pod again. Um, Looking forward to this week's game against Illinois, um, and we'll be back next Monday with a brand new episode. Uh, for Kyle Washett over in Sela, Washington, and myself, Alex Warnke, down here in San Francisco, California, thanks for listening. Keep those teeth sharp. This has been the Sports with Teeth podcast. We'd like to thank you for listening, and until next time, adios, amigos.